You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at winsboro.church. In me, you may have peace. That's why Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world you will have trouble. This world will throw things at you. Like we talked about last week, chaos. This world has chaos. Chaos is all around us. Chaos impacts our lives. It will give you trouble. But Jesus said, I will give you peace. And then he closes the verse with, take heart. I've overcome the world. And that's what we discussed last week, looking how God drives back the chaos, how God subdues the chaos, how God can even use the chaos for his own purposes, because he is the one who's overcome. He is the victor. He stands above chaos. He is the God over chaos. And this week, to show how that plays out in the New Testament, I want to look at a story in Scripture, in in the Gospel accounts, in the book of Mark specifically, about a boat and some pigs. It's actually two stories. Back to back in the Gospel of Mark. One's at the end of chapter 4, the other's at the beginning of chapter 5. These two occasions that I think are connected. Uh, A passage where Jesus is famously asleep in a boat in the midst of a storm. And then right after that, he drives out the demons of a man who had been known as Legion because of the legion of demons within him. And the two stories go together. So as we look at how the New Testament, how Jesus shows us how he is the Lord, the, the God over chaos, let's look at Mark chapter 4 together. Starting in verse 35. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So after leaving the crowd, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. Now a great windstorm developed, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was nearly swamped. Now the lake they're talking about is the Sea of Galilee, a very large body of water that could get some very strong storms, and that this body of water was a key part of the economic health of the region around it. And fishermen, boats, travel, all those things... We're focused around this Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, let's get on a boat and go across to the other side. A fairly common occurrence, but a storm comes up, and storms are a fairly common occurrence as well, but this one seems a little bit stronger than normal. The boat was nearly swamped, but, verse 38, he was asleep, he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So, the boat is at the verge of going under, and so it's no doubt tossing and turning. This wasn't a big ship. This wasn't a big cruise ship by any means. It was a fairly small boat, and it would have been rocking and violently being tossed back and forth, and yet Jesus is asleep. He is asleep on a cushion. They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? So these men, some of whom were fishermen and sailors and were live, made their living off that sea and that 
place all their life. So this was a very significant storm. They think they're on the verge of death, that the ship is going to go down and they're all going to be drowned in the midst of the storm. But verse 39, so they got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be quiet, calm down. Then the wind stopped and it was dead calm. So just like how God reigned in the waters of creation, just as God in Psalm 104 rebuked and put, and, and put the sea in its place, so Jesus now, showing the true nature of His power, very much, I mean, this story, this passage, this account of what happened here on this day is meant to make us think, wait a second, God is the God over water. God is the God over storms. God is the God over chaos. So if Jesus can tell the storm to stop, if Jesus can cause the waters to calm, who does that make him? Jesus rebukes them. He said to them, why are you so cowardly or why are you so afraid? Do you still not believe? Do you not have faith? They were overwhelmed by fear. That's an interesting phrase because they were afraid of the storm. They thought they were about to die. They, they shake Jesus and wake him up and say, Teacher, Rabbi, don't you care? We're about to die. So their hearts are pounding. They're afraid. They're afraid of what's happening. But after Jesus calms the storm, and whenever there's no more wind and there's no more waves and there's no more storm, then they get terrified. Because it occurs to them, wait a second, only God can control the weather. If Jesus is controlling the weather, well, put two and two together and they're starting to realize who this man is. And that makes them terrified, overwhelmed by fear. And so they said to one another, who is this? Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. And that's a rhetorical question, but one that they are kind of starting to guess the answer. This is divine. This is the power of God. We're witnessing the very power over chaos that Scripture tells us about. They behold it. And if chaos is scary... The God who is more powerful than chaos can be scary too. But take notice of the only person in this account that is not scared. It is, of course, the God who can push the chaos back. The God who can create a safe space. Who can create calmness and peace. In the midst of whatever chaos might be around, Jesus can push it back. Subdue it, tell it what to do, and it will obey his commands. And of course, he even uses this instance as a teachable moment to show his disciples who he really is. And so, God shows us his power here, but I would also say he gives us an example. Because Jesus was asleep. And how can someone be asleep in the midst of such... Chaos. How can someone be asleep when everything's falling apart? And 
on the verge of complete destruction all around them, and I would say, well, the person who doesn't let the chaos inside. The chaos is around. And we read in John chapter 16, 33, this, in this world you will have trouble. There will be chaos. There will be things out of your control that make life difficult for you, that throw you for a loop. Um, I imagine a few years down the road we're going to have a saying somewhere along the lines of, it's going to, you know, in this world can treat you like 2020. <laughs> we feel like 2020 is a year just brimming full of chaos, turning this world on its head. Okay, it's what chaos does. And it will, all around us. But Jesus is such a great example of, don't let the chaos tear you up inside. Chaos belongs out there. The storm of whatever we're going through that might be rocking our boat even. It's still not in here. And Jesus shows us that by sleeping, taking a nap, getting some rest. Not letting the cares and the concerns and even the very imminent pressures overwhelm him. No, he's the master. And while Jesus can calm the storm, he has that power. We don't. He has shared with us the power of at least to keep the chaos out of our hearts. To push it out. We don't have to let the chaos in. It's going to be around. We're going to have trouble. But Jesus has given us his peace. And that's shown even more so in the next story about some pigs. Starting in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they came to the other side of the lake. They, the storm has stopped and they made it to the other side. They weren't, uh, the disciples didn't think they were going to make it, but of course they did. Because Jesus is with them. Jesus can take care of it. They come to the other side of the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was getting out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came from the tombs and met him. And as you read the description of this man, you're thinking chaos. He is the epitome of what chaos looks like that completely overwhelms a person. It's demonic possession. But the demons are all about chaos. And so this man is consumed and overwhelmed and the very example of what chaos looks like inside of a person. He had an unclean spirit. He came from the tombs and met Jesus. He lived among the tombs. Where normal people don't live. That would be a chaotic place to live. And this is where he lived. And no one could bind him anymore. They couldn't control him. Just like you can't control chaos, they can't control this guy. Not even with a chain, for his hands and feet had often been bound with chains and shackles, but he had torn the chains apart and broken the shackles in pieces, so he's strong. Chaos is strong, but it is violent and destructive and untamable. He'd broken the shackles in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Our word subdue. No one was strong enough to put him where he belonged. No one until this man who got out of the boat, who was so much more than a man, the man who could calm the sea. 
is now about to do something with this chaos epitomized in this demon-possessed man. Each night, verse 5, and every day among the tombs and in the mountains, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So the chaos in him was self-destructive. It was destroying him. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him because he knew who Jesus was. The disciples are just figuring it out, but the demons inside of this man, they know they're looking at the God over chaos. Then he cried out with a loud voice, Leave me alone, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. I implore you by God, do not torment me. He knows Jesus can do whatever he wants. And we're going to learn that this isn't just one demon. It's a plethora of demons, a host of demons, and they know that despite all of their combined power, Jesus is the God over chaos. Jesus is the God that can put chaos and demons and whatever in its place. And Jesus was well known for casting out demons. But in this particular instance, we see, we learn a lesson of how Jesus brings peace, just like the peace he brought to the storm. Jesus had said to him, Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And so Jesus asked him, What is your name? He's not talking to the man, he's talking to the demons. And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged Jesus repeatedly not to send them out to the region. Chaos wanted its space that it had acquired. It wanted to continue in its destruction. And the strangest part is, Jesus, in this particular instance, says okay. But I think he does it, again, to show us a lesson. There on the hillsides, a great herd of pigs were feeding, verse 11. And the demonic spirits begged him, Send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. Jesus gave them permission. Who gives demons permission? Well, <laughs> people don't. But their master does. And of course, we would think of Satan as the master of demons, and that would be true. Except even Satan knows his place when it comes to God. He's rebelled against God, and he strives against God, but I believe Satan knows exactly that he cannot win. And these demons know they cannot win. And so, in this moment, Jesus is the one with all authority. Jesus is the one who has the power to put demons, to put chaos in the chaos that the demons would cause in their place. And so, he gives them permission. So the unclean spirits came out and went into the pigs, then the herd rushed down the steep slope into the lake, into the water, and about 2,000 were drowned in the lake. So the chaos takes the animals and drives them into chaos. And this maybe makes us scratch our head, it makes me scratch my head. Why would Jesus do that? Well, again, you put it with the story that just happened, Jesus calming the storm, and we see that chaos has a place. Chaos 
has a space that God has relegated it to. This is he divided the waters in Genesis and the chaos was all around it, but not in the safe space he made. Well, here we see that Jesus is making safe spaces. The boat that he's in is safe. And he tells the disciples, why are you so little faith? Don't you know that you'll be all right? You're in the safe space. You're with God. You're with me. But then he shows them his power and calms the storm, even when he didn't have to. And here, look where he's making a safe space. In a man. In a man tormented and filled with chaos. Chaos is supposed to be out there, not in here. But when chaos is in here, Jesus says, that's not the spot where chaos belongs. Chaos belongs out there. And in this instance, in a bunch of pigs going off the cliff into water, which is another synonym, uh, a close connection to chaos itself. And then we see the rest of the story, verse 14. Now the herdsmen ran off and spread the news in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man sitting there clothed and in his right mind. This man who was once overwhelmed by chaos is calm, has peace, the peace that Jesus gives. <clears throat> Those who had seen, oh, I got ahead of myself, clothed and in his right mind, the one who had the legion. And, and look again, and they were afraid. They were no doubt afraid before many times of this legion of the one that could break chains and couldn't be subdued. But whenever they see him clothed and in his right mind and realize something more powerful than those legion of demons was at work, now they're terrified, just as the apostles in the boat. Those who had seen what had happened to the demon-possessed man reported it, and they also told about the pigs. And here's the saddest part of the story, verse 17. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave. Leave the region. And Jesus says, okay. And what a... Man, that's heartbreaking. Now what, what a horrible legacy to leave behind. Dad, what did you do when you met Jesus? Well, I told him to get out of town. Hmm. And... Unfortunately, whenever we push Jesus out, we don't have authority over Jesus. But whenever we push Jesus back, sometimes he says, Okay, if you don't want me, I won't force it. Sometimes people choose chaos. Because chaos, as, as crazy as it is and as uncontrollable as it is, is actually something we know. We're used to it a little bit. It happens enough that we actually maybe would be a little bit more scared if this world stopped being so chaotic. I don't know. But sometimes people choose, as they do in this story, chaos. Because the God over chaos is even scarier. Because we realize, well, that means it's over everything. And specifically... He's over us. He's over me. He's over you. And that's what he shows in this story with the demon-possessed man. The God who is over chaos and drives out the chaos 
drives the chaos out of us. He's not done driving it out of the world. That day will come when again, new heaven, new earth, everything made new. And there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. And in Revelation, even no more sea. Which is kind of strange to think about. I don't know if that's literal or not, but I think it is the fact that the sea represents chaos and the waters are completely gone now. The waters that he started driving back, back in Genesis, are now all the way gone and will never threaten his good creation again. Chaos is permanently removed. And what a beautiful picture, and I hope it gives us hope, but there might be a little bit of room to be a little bit scared. Because you'll realize, wow, if he's that powerful, then that means he's the God over me too. And I have to submit. I have to surrender. But the beautiful thing is, when we do submit, when we do surrender, and let go of the chaos in us, what comes in? Peace. And in this life, while there's still turmoil, in this life, while we still have trouble in us, because God is the God over us, we have peace. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. But with it comes a responsibility. Let's finish. Chapter 5, verse 18. The people have just asked Jesus to go, and he's getting in the boat. As he was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed asked if he could go with him. He recognizes, Oh, I want to stay with you. I want You got rid of the demons. You got rid of the chaos. You gave me peace. You've, you transformed me. You cured me. You healed me. Not just... The body, but the mind and the soul and the spirit, what's so much even more important. And so he wants to stick with Jesus, and I would too. But notice what Jesus tells him. Verse 19. But Jesus did not permit him to do so. He, Jesus still has the authority. The authority over chaos and the authority over us. So Jesus did not permit him to. And Oh, that sounds harsh, but keep reading. Instead... Jesus said to him, Go to your home. Go to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you, that he had mercy on you. Take your peace that I have given you and go share it. Take the calmness and the freedom from the chaos and take it to others. And that is our job. Number one, don't let the chaos in. Keep it out where it belongs. And if it does get in, drive it out. Because we have a God and a Holy Spirit and a Lord, Jesus Christ, powerful enough to, to get it out of us. But then we take our peace-filled lives and we impart peace to others. Just as Jesus told his apostles, my peace I give to you. Well, we're supposed to take that same peace that he's given to us and give it to others. And that's what this man does. 
So he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him. And all were amazed. So this man who was plagued by a legion of demons within him was transformed by the power of God, made an image bearer of the peace of Christ within him, and then became a spokesman to continue to spread the impact of his peace and the impact of the power of God on his life to others. He is a prototype, you could say, of what the apostles are going to become later. Of what the church, what we are supposed to become later. And still living in the midst of chaos, but the chaos is where it belongs, at least in our lives. It's in the sea, it's in the storm, it's in the pigs, it's wherever. It's outside of us. Because God has made the safe space for His Spirit to dwell. Where there is peace. Where there is self-discipline. Where there is obedience and following the directives of our Lord. Where there is no chaos. Because we have been freed from chaos. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we come before you asking you to drive back the chaos. Especially, Father, the chaos that is within us. And Father, we are sorry that we have let the chaos in. In whatever form in our rebellion and sin and our stubbornness to hold on to the things we want to hold on to. Oh, Father, just in falling victim to the circumstances, the chaos swirling around us. But, Father, we need you, we need your power to drive that out. Father, we need you to fill us with your peace. Father, help us to turn to you. Help us to turn to your Son, Jesus Christ, who showed us your power and how no chaos is too much for you or his forgiveness. And so, Father, fill us with that peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.